sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And I look forward to visiting with you. And right now, we're going to talk a little bit more about this problem where the compost got wet in the bottom of the container. And number one, while that container is down, you know, pretty low, I would sure take the uh, take advantage of this to drill some holes in the bottom but and get some... You know, drill holes actually in the bottom and in the side because you mentioned that you you put the compost in here to kind of continue its breakdown. And probably the most important thing that you need is lots and lots of oxygen in that compost. And when you have it in uh, any kind of solid-sided container, uh, the quality of the compost goes down and the breakdown actually slows down. But the thing that I'm most concerned about, where your compost got really wet and stayed really wet, when that happens, you're cutting off the oxygen supply totally to it, and you go from having all these really good aerobic microbes to what can be some really bad anaerobic microbes, the kind that grow where there is no oxygen. And those can, well, let's just say that the worst, uh, the worst of the bacteria in the world are your anaerobic types. And so what you need to do is not only... Uh, get this material dried out, but in effect, get it revitalized. And it, it's going to do that on its own just from now being exposed back to the air again. But to get the maximum amount of microbial activity, I would go back and add a small amount of, you know, the good compost, maybe something that you're currently making or even go out and buy a bag of good compost uh, to mix in with that bad stuff because we want to get the good microbes back in there. We want to encourage them by maybe adding a little bit of molasses, either in the liquid or dry form. And we want to be sure that uh, being moist is not a big problem, but being so wet, whether it's just standing in water or, you know, whether it's just totally cut off from the outside air, that's when I guess you might say good compost goes bad. And um, so you don't want to just dry it out and put it out. You want to sort of revitalize it because, as I was just mentioning, the main the main things that you get out of compost are humic acids and fulvic acids. But even more importantly, you're getting all of this diversity of microbes, something like 20,000 different kinds of good bacteria, up to 10,000 different kinds of good fungi. But when it stays submerged in water, um, the good guys go away, the bad guys move in. That's why good compost has a fresh, earthy smell. And believe me, if it stays very wet very long, you've probably noticed that uh, the odor is not nearly as good that comes off of that compost. Those are all really good points, Bob. Um, yeah, holes in that container are definitely going to help me out in the future. Uh, the one thing that I can say about my goopy compost is it does not have that nasty swamp smell of yeah. uh, anaerobic yeah. stuff going on. So I will take your advice and add some molasses, dry that stuff out, 
Yeah. It will it will stop raining. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, first thing you know, all these people complaining about rain, they'll be begging for rain. But uh and and don't worry so much about it clumping because if you add that molasses, if you jumpstart that good microbial life, it that is going to soften it. And even though it may appear to be clumps, it will get crumbly. Uh if you've got good microbial life, the the bacteria uh, are the things that actually build soil structure. They create a glue-like material that they simply call, I love this technical name, sticky substance uh, that they produce. That is what, it, it improves what we call the crumb structure of the soil. It holds the actual soil particles apart to where you get more oxygen down through there, where you get better water penetration. So even though you can't see them, um, like I say, the, the numbers of microbes, uh, beneficial bacteria, so long as there's good air circulation, are just unfathomable, the number of uh, things that are in there. And the things that make the compost really, really good are the things that you can't see. I mean, sometimes you'll see that white filamentous fungus, and that's uh, one of the fungi that breaks down uh, wood fiber and things like that. That's very good stuff. But Man, if you ever have an opportunity, uh, get someone who has a good microscope to, you know, just put a little of that compost in water and then take a look at that liquid under the microscope and you will be absolutely astounded how much life is in there. Thank you. That takes me back to the day I got a microscope for Christmas when I was nine. <laughs> and look, looking at pond water. Oh, yeah. That, you know, really bad yep. microscope. It was just astounding. Anyway. Thanks for the advice. Have well, a great day. let me tell you one more thing. If you have kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids or whatever in your world and you want to get them started the same way you got started, go out to Analytical Scientific out on Bandera Road. They have uh, they have great microscopes. They even have used microscopes if you're looking to save some money. Years ago before, uh, you know, and, and I'm the guy that taught the freshman biology students in college, and um, and but I didn't have a good microscope of my own. But before we took Elaine Ingham's compost uh, and compost tea course, uh, my business partner went out and bought me a good microscope out at Analytical Scientific. And I just can't say enough nice things about those guys and gals out there. They're wonderful people. And whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a small starter scope, just so your uh, the young people in your family get to look at that pond water and watch the uh, watch the amoebas and watch the paramecium and all the different things swim around or whether you want to, if you have an interest in getting a really good scope, uh, they'll sure help you out out there. I appreciate the tip. Thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, still have some open lines, so uh, give me a call, 210-599-5555. Neil says he forgot one question. Hello again. Hi, Bob. Uh, I'm sorry I forgot these questions. I have a couple questions. Sure. Uh, when you uh, Should I put that compost down now, or should I wait till spring to put it down? I'll put it down now. Put it down now. Put it down again, now. I, the, what's the your... Leaves, the composted leaves back on top, or... or 
underneath and then put compost on top. I'd leave the leaves underneath and put the compost on top because the compost is going to bring in the organisms that will okay. speed up the breakdown of those leaves. And okay. uh, like I was just telling Suzanne, you know, the main things we get out of compost are not just the physical structure right. of it. That's nice. But the things that we can't see, the humic acids, the fulvic okay. acids, and all of the beneficial bacteria and fungi, those are what those are what you really want to get out of your compost. And when you put that down on top of a substrate, which can be broken down and decomposed, that's just the best of both worlds. And old Malcolm Beck used to always tell me, uh, always look at the profile of the forest floor. The mineral soil is on the bottom. Then you have highly decomposed material and then less decomposed material and less decomposed material. And pretty soon you can see the twigs and leaves and things up on top. And, uh, you know, Mother Nature's been doing it for a lot longer than we've been around. <laughs> it works pretty well when you imitate Mother Nature. Okay, should I water the compost in once it's put down? This time of year, that's not real important. Uh, in warmer weather, I think it is, and it's uh -huh. not so much for the benefit of the compost. But when you buy compost, I can almost promise you it is not fully broken down. It still is producing a lot of ammonia, ammonia uh -huh. gas, and that is good fertilizer. And so okay. when you water it in after you put it down, you're actually putting those nutrients down in the soil rather than letting them volatilize and just, you know, go back up into the atmosphere. So that's the main reason we water compost after we put it down. Uh, in the cooler temperatures, as much moisture as we have, is not as critical now as it would be in April or May. Yeah, since I don't have any grass in the front, uh, a lot of that stuff washes away. So sure. I'm just trying to figure out how I can keep it. On the property, you know. Well, and you can do what Mimi down in Lake Corpus Christi was talking about. You can get some ryegrass and put out there for the winter yeah, months because it'll I grow. I did that last year, but it didn't last very long. It well, came up, but it didn't. Uh... You water it, and it'll last all the way up till hot weather in the spring. Okay. I'll try that again. Also, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, what kind of plants uh, – uh, what can we grow right now in a vegetable garden? I know I have uh, I have broccoli in. Uh, mm -hmm. I know I can put r radishes and spinach and and uh, when you say uh, what plants to put in, are you talking about seed or are you talking about plants? Well, it depends on on the variety. If you're planting radishes or beets or carrots or turnips, uh -huh. you always want to do those from seed. If you're planting broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage, you always want to do those from plants. If you're planting lettuce, you have your choice of doing either sure. plants or seeds. And, uh, of course, the onion plants have just come into the nurseries now. And, oh, okay. Uh, so okay. I, I'll i be planting onions as soon as I get a little free time to do so. The other thing to remember, though, planting anything from seed is those little plants, even though they're right. cool-weather plants, when they first come up, they haven't built right. their antifreeze yet. So at first couple of weeks, if we get, you know, real cold, and we're, you're going to be 29 degrees tomorrow morning probably, uh, or the okay. morning after. So yeah. uh, anything that's newly sprouted, I would have it protected for the first week or two. Yeah, I got some of uh, that row cover uh, yeah. uh, insulate. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I put the compost down first and then put uh, the, uh, the mulch back on top. Yes, that would be fine. Oh. Okay, and uh, put the, any plants I put in, uh, they sh should be plants when possible or seed uh, when appropriate. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, you never try to start radishes in pots and then transplant them or beets or carrots for that matter. 
and uh, broccoli, you'll not be real successful direct seeding into the ground. So uh, next time you're in Shades of Green, and I know you come by periodically. Yeah, I do. Yeah, ask for one of our little vegetable gardening handouts. They're free of charge. Okay. Uh-huh. And we have a list of the times we think it's best to plant. And we included uh-huh. on that list is whether uh, you should use seed or plants or you can use either one. All that's on there, and uh, I'd love to give you a copy of it. I have to say, Bob, you have one of the best nurseries around. I mean, <laughs> it's a real pleasure to come over. Well, we, we get named almost every year. Uh, we do get named Best Nursery in San Antonio, and we're very proud of that fact. And I have to tell you, we're getting a big award this uh, next week. We've been named uh, a uh, gold-level composter. The city of San oh, Antonio really? is starting a new uh, a new program recognizing businesses that uh, go out of their way to uh, – uh, to recycle, not to compost, to, to oh. recycle. But uh, we are we are have been designated a gold level charter member of San Antonio Reworks, which we're very proud of. So, uh, oh, very good. Anybody I'm out there to wants to know how you you're? It. Uh, well, we appreciate that. But it, it's just a good program. Recycling is something everybody should be doing, and uh, uh-huh. really glad the city's uh, recognizing that now. So, you get out and have a good weekend uh-huh. and a happy holiday season. We'll look forward okay. to talking again, Selvin. You too, Bob. Thank you so much. (laughs) Goodbye. All right, back to gardening. We're going to talk to Shirley and then to James and then maybe to you. So uh, let's go back to these phone lines. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I I put begonias in a window, two window boxes in the front, which I thought was deer resistance. Well, believe me, they love it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Is there anything that I can put in those boxes, it's quite shady, that has color that they might not love? <laughs> not much this time of year. I mean, they're just hungrier in the winter, and most all of our wintertime plants in the summer months, you can put some periwinkles out there as long as it gets at least some bright light, and the deer will avoid them. But, um, you know, do you have a lot of deer? Do you have a big deer problem or just uh, just a nuisance issue with them? Well, it's definitely nuisance, but quite a few. Uh, we have people on this street that feed them, which is not very smart. But anyway. Um, <laughs> nobody nobody said smart goes along with uh, anything. But uh, it, one thing I was going to tell you, if your deer problem is not too severe, I know people who have been successful by just kind of alternating their plantings, putting uh, a couple of pots of flowers and then some rosemary or a couple of pots of uh, flowers and uh, one of the things that the deer really don't like aromatic wise if you have a lot of deer though they just ignore the rosemary and eat the pansies so to speak but um, the other option of course is there are some pretty good deer repellents out there I think some of the liquid sprays are better than the things like dried coyote urine and all that stuff doesn't has not worked as well for me but uh uh, things like the liquid fence there is a product that smells much better that's called i must garden they have a deer repellent and um so you're gonna have to go a little further to keep the deer off of things but in the shade you can grow cyclamen which will give you flowers all winter you can grow ornamental kale ornamental cabbage and there's some great beautiful varieties of both of those in the ornamental kale there are even some taller varieties now i realize you said window boxes and what you're probably looking at you want shorter ones but if you're ever looking for a gorgeous kale that grows two or three feet tall 
Uh, there's a green and white one called Winter Boar, a beautiful purple and red one that's called uh, Red Boar, R-E-D-B-O-R. Uh, so there's some great things that you can do for color out there in the cool months, but you're going to have to go a little further to keep the deer away. Okay, I do have, uh, you know, I go to usually about once a week on my way back from downtown. I uh, stop at your place. I just got some onions there uh, ah. this past Tuesday. but uh, And I do have some of your deer repellent um, that I got from you all, so I can use that on whatever I put. But cyclamen, those are pretty little flowers and bright. Will they take the cold? Oh, yeah. They will take the cold down into the teens. I won't say that it doesn't occasionally get too cold for them, but uh, it's been a long time since I've seen cold enough weather to really hurt them badly. If we were going to go into the teens, I probably would throw some insulate or something over them and... uh, you know, they should, uh, they will come through it just fine. One other thing that you can try, uh, and I've known people that have been very successful with this, and, you know, you do it or not if you like, but wherever you go to get your haircut, um, yeah. ask them to sweep up some of the human hair into a bag or something. Uh, it is a very good deer repellent, and uh, I'm you know, there are barbershops and, uh, and, and beauty salons and things that uh, actually save hair for their customers. And if, if, you're, if you're like me, mine's pretty short, and I keep it pretty short just because it's so much easier to maintain. And, uh, you know, sprinkle some of that around. And uh, that many times will go a long way toward keeping the deer away totally naturally and free of charge. Okay, that's a good that's a good idea. Oh, I I have another question. I got a lime tree uh, at your place um, early in the spring. It is multi trunk. Mm-hmm. Can I make it more of a single trunk? Trunk. Um, you could. Um, you will always get more limes off of a multi trunk. Limes really grow much more as a bush. If you really wanted a single trunk lime tree, I probably would get a different variety of lime. I'm sure the one you got is a so-called Mexican lime or key lime. That's yeah, the is. one we like most because it can bloom year round and can produce limes year round. If you really want a lime tree. Uh, ask for a Persian lime. They, uh, the advantage is that they tend to grow much more tree-like. Uh, the disadvantage is that they grow just like lemons and grapefruit. They bloom in the spring and they produce in the fall. You don't have that constant production you're going to get from your little key lime. So you could trim it into a tree if you like, but you're gonna, it's not going to be as successful as it would be with a different type of lime. Oh, I think I'll just leave it more multiple, but it hasn't. It tried to put on already this year a um, few little buds that dropped off, so it's in a pot. Yeah. Um, and it'll go down to about how cold? About 32, 33. It doesn't okay. have any cold hardiness at all. Myers lemon will go down to probably 26. Satsumas will go down into the teens, but uh, limes are real wimps. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're okay, like me. They they want to be inside when it's going to get anywhere close to freezing. And um, yeah, yours is a very young plant. Uh, I would expect some pretty good production this next year from it. Okay, good. I, by the way, my my lemon and orange tree are so loaded. You would not <laughs> you would not believe I've been giving them away and giving them away. Uh, but that is, of course, that's wonderful. Well, that's oh. Poinsettias, yes. they will not take the cold. They will go down close to freezing, but um, 
They will not take a hard freeze. They also don't like the wind. Um, this is one year, unfortunately, that uh, there's some places around town I drive by just to see where they've people have planted beds. There's a church over near Dr. Kirby's clinic that their poinsettias will be six or eight feet tall and just solid flowers, but not this year. That cold weather hit too early and froze them down. Yeah, that's true. It, we really did to get that early freeze, so things are looking pretty poorly. Uh, my ground cover, Asiatic jasmine, looks, it's been wonderful. Yeah, and it got it burned. It terrible. Yeah, it got burned. It, You know, we had a very dry summer, obviously, and then we had the monsoons in September and October, and a lot of plants, including your Asiatic jasmine, said, oh boy, let's grow. It must be uh, spring. You know, we've just been through a semi-dormant season, less grow. And then we had that cold hit before things had time to harden off. Your jasmine is not permanently hurt in any way, but all that new luxuriant growth that started out following the rains, it, it was not hardened off, and it took a big hit from that uh, first hard freeze. If you want to make it look a little nicer, you can get out there and just trim the top of it off. But uh, everybody's jasmine looks just terrible, but it's just because, uh, you know, it started the new growth and then new growth froze. But plants aren't hurt. They're going to come out fine next spring. But, you know, it's <laughs> a lot of landscapes are pretty ugly right now. Mother Nature was not real kind to us with that early hard freeze. Just in time for all of our christmas company <laughs> well anyway. that's that's why we uh that's why we get poinsettias and plant cyclamen and pansies and <laughs> things I, like absolutely. that okay so just fertilize it and yeah just fertilize it like say if you want to if you want to take a little off the top of it just to make it look nicer you're not going to hurt anything but uh it's just that new growth that came out and that's why we tell people not to prune in early fall because it stimulates new growth which can then freeze back mother nature just did it to us with all that rain that made the plants think it was time to come out and grow and and it's just, you know, she, she encouraged them, and then she hit them with a big stick, so to speak. So uh, welcome to South Texas. Every year is different. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> well, gosh, thank you, and gosh, have a Merry Christmas. You do and, the same, uh, Shirley. Okay, bye, Bob. Goodbye. All right, back to gardening. We're going to talk to James and Joe, and then to you and James. Good morning, sir. Morning, Bob. How you doing? Oh, just uh, just got that good rain we kind of needed, and uh you can take the wind away, but other than that, it's just a nice seasonal temperature out there. Yes, sir. It looks like it's going to be a nice day. Hey, I heard you guys talking about compost. Yeah. Uh, I got a compost sifter uh, that I put on top of a couple of uh, old wheelbarrow handles. Uh-huh. The far end is open. Okay. Uh, you shovel that compost in there, and you shake it back and forth on top of your wheelbarrow, and all the real nice stuff goes in the wheelbarrow, <laughs> and then you give it a shake, and all the chunkies go out in your 15-gallon tree pot down there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great idea. Describe your compost sifter to me, and then I'll tell you about the one that I built recently. How, oh, it's how did... just a, um, a lightweight wooden 2 by 4 frame, uh, 2 foot wide and 3 foot long with the far end is open, uh-huh. and then you just nail it to those two old uh, wheelbarrow handles, and it fits right on top of the so wheelbarrow. Did, so did you just use, use hardware cloth? Yeah, I've got uh, half inch, uh-huh. and I think there's a quarter inch uh, yeah. for the 
yeah. find stuff for the soil block. Well, I'll, I, let me tell you what I did because I was not just sifting compost, but sifting soil. Right now, I'm actually sifting decayed granite to get the bigger chunks of it out, and because I'm using the you know the finer parts to set some stone in effect building a patio and filling in in between so i did kind of exactly what you said i used my uh made a square out of the two by four i put the hardware cloth onto that but to increase the lifespan of it uh, i then took a piece of uh uh cattle panels with the you know the really heavy wire the four by four I put that on top of the hardware cloth and then put my bottom mount on it. I used wood. You used your wheelbarrow handles. But uh, that way I can get in there. And, uh, I mean, I learned to do this with my grandfather. We had a big old thing we set up and then put the wheelbarrow underneath it and just stood there with a shovel and threw it on periodically. But we were, it seemed like we were replacing that hardware cloth uh, with some frequency. But since I did this one and I put that second layer put the cattle panels behind it to hold it in place so it didn't get bulged out it wasn't breaking the wires apart let me tell you i i think i i took a good idea and made it even better so uh if you're just doing compost yeah your system of just nothing but hardware cloth should work just fine but anybody out there that's screening soil or you know um you do anything kind of like a trammel screen um I, i really feel like it made a big difference and made a big improvement in it well, with that far end open, yeah, it's all your what I call my chunkies. Uh huh. Go, you know, this roll out of the screen into a fifteen or thirty gallon tree pot. Well, those chunkies are real valuable to me this time of the year. <laughs> hey man, what are you using for? Oh uh, well, I've got a few church ladies and some other ladies that uh, they're uh, gardeners uh, or I guess yard men. Uh, bag up leaves and I mm-hmm. go by and pick them up in my pickup truck right. and compost. As I build my co- a compost pile out of leaves, uh, every five, six inches or whatever it is, I take that chunky compost yeah. and I try to use it as an inoculant. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a wonderful idea. Leaves. Uh, yeah, Malcolm told me uh, even a stick that's been in a compost pile still contains all the microbes and you were talking about that earlier on the show all the compost microbes that are important to do the work and that chunky stuff is going to have to spend some more time in the compost pile anyway sure this time of the year it makes a really nice inoculant for your leave compost well it really does and you know i grew up being told that there were ten thousand kinds of beneficial bacteria and five thousand kinds of beneficial fungi and i was talking to my arborist friend david vaughn recently and he was saying no 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 said they've researched it now we're up to over twenty thousand different species of beneficial bacteria and over 10,000 species of beneficial fungi. So people just don't appreciate how much those little things that we can't see, how much they do. And so uh, you're you're doing it right and have been for years. And I, it's just the, you know, the old researcher in me wants to know why it works and not just how it works. But uh, it, uh, it, it sure does help you. There's just nothing better to make a better gardener out of you than plenty of good compost. Well, it takes a while to to take an old wheelbarrow apart, and usually all the 
it's not a job for a rookie. All of <laughs> everything's frozen and rusted shut. You need a sawzall. Uh, yeah, and I've got a good battery powered sawzall. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Man, so. I like that Bosch brand too. I don't know what you've used. I've tried DeWalt and some of the others, and the the saws last, but the batteries go bad on you. But uh, anybody out there looking for a good Christmas present in a lightweight one, uh, Bosch has become my favorite brand. Of course, I love steel for bigger equipment, but those those I've got the Bosch saws and drills and impact drivers, and I sure do like them. I showed up at Malcolm's place one day, and he was cutting the. He was a big fan of uh, making raised beds out right. of old tractor tires. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was using a chainsaw, and I said, wait wait a minute, Malcolm. Uh, uh, let me come back tomorrow with a Sawzall. Uh-huh. So we attacked it with the Sawzall, and he said, you know, a long time ago my dad told me that you need a, a, a lubricant for rubber. And uh-huh. it's, uh, what he said his dad told him, it was uh, soapy water. Uh-huh. So he would stand there with the soapy water and the squirt can, and I'd, we would, as fast as you could move around that tire, that sawzall <laughs> would get that feed out of there. Hey, y'all were quite a team, I guess. Oh, yeah. We we had all kinds of fun out there, but uh, the next day, after he saw how that sawzall worked, he went out and bought him a brand new one. <laughs> <laughs> or actually probably Delphine probably went and bought one for him. She was she was she was the uh, finance director and Malcolm was the gardener, but yeah, it's uh you know it's like it's, a kid a kid at Christmas. He had him a new tool, man. Get out of the way. Hey, that's that's you know. my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else going on in the garden? Uh you I'm sure getting ready for spring. You're probably gonna be starting tomato transplants for too long. Yeah, everything is uh in November, I uh, I get all my equipment together, and then I run a test run uh-huh. to make sure that I'm doing everything right. And I'm glad I did a test run this this uh, preseason because uh, I'm having a few problems, and and uh, instead of having them jump up during production season, it's it's always easier to fix them before you get into production. And when you got that day that's just a little too cold and rainy to get outside, you can. You have something to do in the shop out there, keeping it all in tip-top condition. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, make a make a test run, and uh, uh, before you you make your before you bet the farm on your uh, on your main crop, you there, know. There you go. Well, you get out and have a good weekend, James. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Have fun, Bob. Bye bye. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Next up is Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Bob. It's good to talk to you again. Hey, I am looking for a very special kind of Christmas present for my wife, and I have not been able to find it. I would like to get a an approximately 30 by 40 greenhouse frame, but I do not want it covered with the typical greenhouse cloth like they use at Norm. I want to cover it with a heavy um, 19 or 23 gauge um hardware cloth to keep the birds, squirrels, raccoons, um, foxes, you name it, out of it. So she can actually have a garden and watch things grow and mature okay. before the animals eat it up. Okay. I don't know where to get one. Um, and, and let me back up just one minute. Now, you're not planning to put any kind of cover as far as film or rigid plastic. You're basically just building a cage to keep the varmints out and you just want to use a, a greenhouse frame for you know for the structure yeah. for that cage i've talked to some companies that make carports and i can get a carport made 
on you know with the frame on four foot centers the, yeah. the wire comes four feet wide but the cost has been ridiculous yep yep um the you know short of uh you know building and welding one yourself i'm going to give you two options um there is a company it goes by two different names uh farm tech f-a-r-m-t-e-k or greenhouse supply i'm sorry grower supply they're the same company and the only wrong thing wrong with getting on their mailing list is that you will get something twice a week in the mail from them. I don't know how they can make so many catalogs, but, uh, go online and they have every size, every shape, every possible dimension that you could want. Um, that, you know, will give you a good frame, everything from what they call hoop houses to, uh, you know, standard straight wall structures. I mean, they, they must have 50 different, uh, you know, greenhouse options there for you. Um, the are they plastic or metal? Metal. You want to go with okay. metal. You do not want yeah, to go definitely. with plastic. Uh, the, but they do, and and you know there are a lot of things. Um, are are you handy with tools and things like that? Yes. They you can actually get a and in fact I think they may actually send it with some of their kits. There is something they call a pipe bender that you use for the pipe. I mean, we're not up to, you know, the heavy duty pipe that you're probably going to be putting in the ground for water lines, but, uh, you can use this tool to bend and make associated little pieces that you need, but they basically have kits for, you know, whatever you're looking for. Like I say, it may be sort of a hoop house. That's uh, sort of Quonset uh, shaped, or it can actually be, you know, the same greenhouse structure that, uh, they would be putting, you know, the four, six mil poly or else the, you know, the rigid polycarbonate on, but mm-hmm. that, that's probably where you're going to find your, uh, you know, your greatest selection and your best prices. I'm also going to suggest that you at least call here in San Antonio. There's a fellow named Tommy Muth, M-U-T-H, and his business is called Greenhouses, etc. And he builds... He builds greenhouses. He builds, uh, he has standard sizes. He custom builds greenhouses and he will work with you on anything you want. And he may even have some scrap material. I mean, you don't have to have the perfect, if he's building a greenhouse and he's going to put the little ridges, uh, uh, little things that you put in that you lock the plastic into if you're actually using it for a greenhouse greenhouse he may very well have some material out there that's not quite up to the specs that he needs for building a residential or commercial greenhouse but uh the guy's just he's just a really good guy i'm not sure what the price will work out to but before before i buy anything out of town i always look for a local source and if I'm doing anything Absolutely. green, if I'm doing greenhouses, I'm doing uh, I'm doing greenhouses, etc. Uh, I've bought polycarbonate from him. Uh, he actually built a greenhouse for me uh, when I lived in San Antonio, and he just he does beautiful work. But he's very busy. So uh, where's his business located? Uh, he's uh, you know where Topper Wine Road is. Yes, he is on uh, a little street that runs off of Topper Wine called Topper Parkway, and. Um, I, you know, Parkway. Topper Parkway. Oh, Copper Parkway. Topper, T-O-P-P-E-R, like Topper Wine, but this is Topper Parkway, which runs into Topper Wine. And uh, Google his business. I don't have his phone number in front of me, but uh, 
call first to be sure he's going to be there because uh, mm-hmm. he's a hands-on guy and he's he's got some staff, but he's occasionally building. I mean, he's building a couple of hundred thousand square feet of greenhouses right now for another grower friend of mine. And, uh, and just just be sure somebody's going to be there. But there are times he has the has to hang hang the sign on the door that says we're out building greenhouses. Come back later or whatever. Sure, but uh, sure. just tell him what you're looking for, and he'll either tell you, "Hey, I got exactly what you want," or he'll say, "You know, I just am not the guy you need." And in that case, go to Farm Tech or Grower Supply, and I think you'll find a very economically priced frame there for yourself. Are there other people that have built something like this, maybe not this size, but something like this uh, to keep animals out? Well, actually, to keep animals in. Uh, the zoo okay. has done this sort of thing, creating aviaries. And, um, okay. you know, there are a lot of people that uh, keep exotic now birds. Now that you mentioned it, I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. And um, some people, and, you know, if you want something, you know, fairly permanent, then you do want... Um, then you do want, you know, a good metal. And if you're looking to keep varmints like raccoons and things like that out, I'd be going heavier than hardware cloth. I'd be going with, uh, you know, the what they call the hog wire or cattle panels. You can get those in different grades of steel. And obviously the heavier duty, the more they cost, but you're not looking for something heavy duty. But they make one that I have used that's like a uh, the openings on it are two inches by four inches, and that's enough to keep um, most things out. And uh, but if you're, gosh, if you're if you're looking to keep uh, you know squirrels and even rats and things out, you're probably going to just you know be looking for good fencing material that you're going to put over this. That's going to be your least expensive way to go. And um, that's what I'd probably be using as is, is opposed to buying rolls of hardware cloth. That would be nice. But hardware cloth rusts out. It has problems over time. But anyway, just, just decide what you're going to cover it with before you start building your frame. And uh, then you can build a frame that's going uh, to be adaptable to what you actually want to use as your excluder, so to speak. Yeah, I was kind of thinking of doing that when you were talking about that screen material, using two different screen materials. And... I kind of given some thought to using those cattle panels on the side mm-hmm. to reinforce the frame, and I've seen them in big uh, flat panels at Tractor Supply and places sure. like that. So I was already thinking along those lines for reinforcement, and um, the the thickest hardware cloth I've been able to find so far is 19 gauge. Do you know of anything that is thicker or more sturdy than that? Um, a quarter inch or half inch hole? I talked to Metal Mark. Okay. And see what they have. I'd also look at expanded metal. Um, it's much stronger, much heavier than hardware cloth, but it's also much more, much longer lasting. I they have some different grades of it. I actually bought some of that to uh, create some hail covers to protect the glass windows on the sides of my new greenhouse. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there there are lots of choices. But let me tell you, before you go out and buy from Tractor Supply, nothing against Tractor Supply. But uh, talk to Strutties, talk to, uh, you want the best prices around and a nice guy to work with. Talk to uh, Stanley Jones at Bergman, uh, uh, not Bergman, uh, but uh, Bergheim, the Bergheim store up there, 46 at uh, 3351. Stanley's got the widest array of different cattle panels and things like that, the best prices, and he can order anything you need. And, uh, I mean, I've bought stuff from Tractor Supply, but you're you're basically getting box store quality. If you want something a little mm-hmm. better, find yourself a good independent uh, dealer and uh, 
they're going to be dealing with oh, buttery hardware and some of these people that make real good quality product. Hey, I knew if there was somebody who had the inside line on doing this, it would be you. So it was very good talking with you this morning. Thank you. You so get much out and have help. a great Saturday. All right. Got time for another call here before news. We're going to talk to Belinda and then to Tom. And Belinda's up first. Good morning, Belinda. Hey, good morning. Good How morning. Doing, uh, doing great. Thank you. How about you? Just fine. Thank you. Well, I've got a question for you. We have zoysia grass. And I thought I heard before that you're saying that we can go ahead and put fertilizer on there now. Absolutely. take care of it for next spring. Absolutely. Or? As long as you use organic fertilizer. Now, the chemical, the synthetic stuff, does not bind to the soil. It washes away. You're throwing your money away to go out and buy that other crap. But if you want to get a good organic fertilizer, Medina, Maestro, Nature's Creation, Ladybug, uh, espoma, those are all good fertilizers. The the grass roots actually stay active through the winter months, and I consider the fall fertilizing to be the most important fertilizing of the year. So I would strongly encourage you to get some good organic fertilizer and put on that zoysia, along with every okay. other thing in your landscape, too, your shrubs and trees and everything else, too. All right. Well, now, one thing that my husband has, you know, he's talked about, he likes it nice and green. Will this green it up in the spring as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if he if he just if he's love in love with green, tell him to go again, call Douglas King seed and get a little bit of that rye grass. You don't want to put it down too heavily. But if he loves green, you can overseed lightly with uh, a good rye grass. You'll have beautiful green yard all winter and then it'll green up and you'll have your your zoysia back in the spring. Okay, so it won't mess up the zoysia grass. As long as you, as long as you don't put it on, well, as long as you don't sow it too thickly, it won't. Now it's going to keep them out of the house and out there using a mower off and on through the winter months. But maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Because that we put it on before in the spring, but he didn't feel like it turned it green enough. You know, he just likes to come out and be nice and green. Well, there's nothing that will generate a greener, better growth in the spring. Now, rain and weather have something to do with it as well. But feeding in the fall with a with a good organic fertilizer, especially one that has some extra iron in it, and uh, I know Medina puts that. I think the other guys do as well. I know Espoma puts the uh, their extra microbes and uh, and what they call mycorrhizal fungi in there. But yes, fall feeding is going to give you the greenest healthiest grass in the spring it's also going to keep your grass healthier through the winter months in case we do get a hard freeze perfect all right well that's exactly what i'm looking for i do appreciate it it's my pleasure i appreciate the call this morning you get out and have a good weekend melinda